Romans chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verse 1 to 8 today. Let me read. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the the, the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Still quite fresh in my mind, when we uh, moved to Leeds, we moved around about the time of the Queen's death. We'd been in Leeds just a few weeks and uh, at the time of the, the, the Queen's death, I think we all, to some extent, learn a lot about ourselves and a lot about the nation. And uh, obviously, it was a very sad time, but we all learned some wonderful things about the Queen. Um, but it was a sense in which it, it brought us together in many ways. And one of the stories that I loved, it warmed my heart, I guess it warmed many people's heart, was about... Um, the Queen lying in state and the number of people queuing to see her lying in state. That means when she was in her coffin, when she was dead in, in Westminster. And the queues just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the hours it took to see the Queen just went up and up and up. And it was just how all these ordinary people wanted to see the Queen and pay their tribute to her. But of course, the story that caught everyone's eye was how uh, David Beckham considered himself one of, the, one of the people, and I guess we'll have mixed opinions of Beckham, but I reckon 95% of us think he's a total legend, uh, particularly uh, after, after this, uh, after seeing this. And what did he do? He just queued up um, by himself, and I guess to some extent he, he had a flat cap on and sort of tried to be a bit subtle, but of course you, you can't keep a secret like that. And the reason people loved it so much is because he was just one of the people. He was like us. There was only one way to see the Queen, and it was the way that Beckham did it. Now, of course, um, that wasn't the only way to see the Queen, was it? There were some other celebrities who were sort of slandered. I don't know if it was fair or not, but certainly it was in the media. Certain celebrities had jumped the queue. They used their journalistic access to not have to queue. But the point was really clear that this is how Beckham does it. And if Beckham does it, then we all have to do it this way. That was the principle. Now, just keep that principle in your mind. If Beckham has to do it that way, then we all have to do it that way. I'm, it's not like a Christian strap line. It's <laughs> literally for only this principle. Okay, um, But that was the idea. If, if Beckham did it that way, we all have to do it this way. And the reason why it's an important principle for us is because that's the sort of arguing that Paul's going on through today. And the question is not how do we see the Queen lying in state. The issue is... Um, how do we become right with God? How do we get God's approval? And uh, we're going to see, we're obviously not going to look at Beckham, we're going to look at someone far more significant. We're going to look at Abraham, or Father Abraham, as he's often known. Now, uh, we're, we're coming in halfway through a letter, well, not even halfway, but we've, we've been in Romans for quite a long t- time already, and we need to think about the context. 
And just last week, we were thinking about boasting. What place is there of boasting in the Christian life? And the answer is none at all. There's no place for boasting in the Christian life. And that's not because um, we're not good people, although that's certainly true. We're not good people. But the reason there's no room for boasting in the Christian life is because the Christian life isn't even about us. It's about Christ. We can't boast about ourselves because we're not even looking at ourselves. We're looking at Christ. Do you remember for one look within, stop it, take 10 looks at him. One more look within, take 10 looks at him. Stop making this about yourself. Have you ever had that criticism? I certainly have. Stop making this all about yourself. There's a sense which the Apostle Paul wants to say that to us. Stop making this all about yourself. Stop making Christianity all about yourself. Stop making the gospel all about yourself. It's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Our vision, our goal, our focus, our anchor in the Christian life should be him, should be Christ. But the objection comes along. Can that really be true? Can it really be true that we just have to look at Christ? Can it really be true that we're not justified, we're not right right with God by our behaviour? That is completely countercultural. That's what makes Christianity different from every other religion in the world. Every other religion is about what you do, but Christianity is about what Jesus has done. But can that really be true? And it's really important for us to get this right. And I guess many of us know this is right. We know we're justified by what Christ has done. We know it up here, but there's like a one foot gap between what we know to be true and what we feel to be true. And we really struggle to believe the gospel. We think, yes, I'm a Christian. Have you ever thought this? I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian, but have you ever felt that? I'm a Christian, but I, I keep doing this or I haven't done that or I don't really do this enough. Have you ever thought like that? I think about that all the time. It's my Christian, or it's not only a Christian instinct, it's an unchristian instinct, but it kicks in all the time. I'm a Christian, but, well, I've got a shameful background. I'm a Christian, but my lifestyle isn't quite what it should be. I'm a Christian, but I have a consistent habit of sin that I can't seem to knock. I'm a Christian, but I'm lukewarm to Jesus. Well, if you're thinking that, the Jews who were hearing Paul speak, the Jewish Christians were thinking exactly the same thing. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. They were listening to Paul. But are you, are you sure, Paul, you're right? What about the whole of the Old Testament? I mean, if you look at Romans, if you look at your Bible, just see how far are we through. Romans comes, it's about the last, I don't know, 15% of the Bible. Is this Johnny-come-lately religion? Are you changing everything at the last minute, Paul? Have you moved the goalposts? What about all the rules? What about all the rules in the Scriptures? What about the Jewishness that everyone needed to have, either be a Jew or become a Jew? What about the fact there was a temple and many strict regulations? What about the commandments, the hundreds of commandments? Are you really saying they don't matter? Paul's not saying they don't matter, but he's saying that's not how we get right with God. And Paul says, "Okay, you don't believe me. Well, you're doubting me. You're doubting that the only way you become right with God is by looking at Christ. You think that's not the Jewish way? Okay, well, let's look at Abraham. Let's look at Abraham. We're not looking at how Beckham cues. We're looking at about how Abraham gets right with God. Because if Abraham didn't get right with God that way, then fair enough. I'll give up the game. I'll stop being an apostle. But if Abraham was right with God in this way, then surely that is the way for all of us to be right with God. That is the way for all of us to be right with God as well. And remember, the context of this passage is stop boasting. Stop boasting. 
And Paul's going to go, he's going to really give us three reasons why not to boast. And today, my aim today is that all of us go away confident that God justifies ungodly people. It's an outrageous thing to say, but it's not my words, words of the scriptures. God justifies, he makes right ungodly people and that will stop us from boasting and three reasons to stop boasting that's what we've got here the first one is this stop boasting or no boasting because God justifies by faith verse one to three let me read them out again what then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh for if Abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about but not before God for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God And it was counted to him as righteousness. And what if Abraham was right with God by keeping the law, by doing the right things, by being a morally good person, then fair enough, he's got something to boast about. But that's not what he did, but not before God. He couldn't boast before God because that wasn't the way he was justified. Paul says, I'll prove it to you. Look at verse three with me. Look at it. Do you see those words? They're so important words. For what does the scripture say? And before we look at what the scripture says, can I just say they are some of the most important words in the Christian life. What does the scripture say? Because for these Jewish Christians, many of them, their worldview is being completely turned upside down. Many of their Christian brothers and sisters, their family would be saying, no, you're totally wrong. That is not what the scriptures say. Sorry, they wouldn't quite argue like that. They said, that's not Jewishness. That isn't, or they maybe said that's not what the scriptures say. But Paul says, what do the scriptures say? And if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be facing from your family, from your friends, from the wider culture, what Christians believe is wrong, what Christians believe is bigoted. And you will start asking yourself, maybe I have got it wrong. Am I wrong? The question to ask is, well, what does the scriptures say? Sometimes we can't understand the scriptures, but what do the scriptures say? What do the scriptures say? Well, in this context, what do the scriptures say about how we're right with God? Verse three, Abraham believed, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He is our case study. Look at Abraham. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It does not say he did righteous things most of the time. But when he didn't, well, he got a top up from his faith. It does not say his faith was his righteousness as a new law. And you've got to have enough faith. If you've got enough faith, God will have you as one of his righteous people. No, no. Because Abraham had faith in God's promises, God counted him. He considered him. He reckoned him to be righteous, even though his behavior was not what did he believe? What did Abraham believe? He didn't just, he wasn't just a person of faith. He wasn't here about the faith communities. It wasn't he arbitrarily believed in a spiritual realm. Now he trusted God's promises. That's what you'll see in Genesis 15. It's quoting back to the 15th chapter in the Bible. Very, very early on, he believed God. He took God at his word and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Paul's giving the proof. There's no place of boasting in the Christian life because That was not what Abraham did. He didn't boast because he was given a righteousness as a result of his faith, not through through doing good things. Well, here's the cash value of this. If Abraham was justified by faith, that means I'm justified by faith. That means you are justified by faith. Children, you are not justified. You're not accepted by God because you're obedient to your parents. You're not justified 
by uh, answering lots of prayers in Sunday school. All of us, we're not justified by how much TV we watch, by what sort of TV we watch or, or what we don't watch. We're not justified by our abstinence from sex before marriage. We're not uh, counted outside of justification because we have had sex before marriage, outside of marriage. We're not justified by our evangelistic courage. We're not justified by being a good parent, by being a patient mum. We're not justified by the number of Bible study groups we go to. We're not justified by being part of a together family. We're not justified by the fact we feel warm towards God. We've been singing, haven't we? And some of us will have felt very warm towards God this morning. Others of us, other us just feeling, I'm not warm to God at all. That's not your justification. We are justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you put, choose to put your faith in Christ, you are 100% justified. You're not partly justified. You're not justified a little bit. You are 100% justified before God. So, no boasting because God justifies through faith. Here's the second thing. No boasting because God justifies the ungodly. No boasting because God justifies the ungodly. Now, there are two ways of getting something. Two ways of getting something. One way is earning it. We all know about that, don't we? Look at what um, Abraham says. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And don't we all know it? <laughs> I guess many of us would have uh, slogged our guts out this week. And the pay that we get at the end of the week, or the salary we get at the end of the month, we just think, oh, it's I deserve more than this. But I certainly deserve this because I have worked hard. That is one way of earning something. Children, uh, I don't think many of you have probably worked this way, but do you ever get this? Um, you can have pudding if you eat your broccoli. You have that? You've earned your pudding. When you, when you get the pudding, you probably feel quite proud. Probably looking down on your sibling. Yeah, you've got to learn to eat your broccoli. Come on, caramel ice cream here. Uh, that, that's one way of earning something. That's right, that's one way of receiving something. You can earn it by what you do. But there is another way of earning it, and it's in contrast to working for something. It's to receive something as a gift. Uh, we're giving a hint of it in verse 4. So if you earn something, it's not counted as a gift. Do you see that in verse 4? Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, uh, but his due. Well, now let's talk about a gift. Is there any way of receiving something as a gift? Yes. Verse 5. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Again, we all know about gifts, don't we? Why do we love Christmas? I know what the right answer should be, but we love it because we get presents. That's why we love Christmas, big presents, wrapped up in beautiful uh, wrapping paper. Uh, we love getting uh, free things, maybe not ice cream because we've eaten our broccoli, but even better because we're in the afternoon and it's sunny. I know it seems like a strange thing to say on, uh, as it gets colder and colder, but you see a nice cream van and your parent says to you, ah, oh, I know you've been badly behaved this week, but hey, what the heck, here's a uh, 99er. Isn't that it's wonderful receiving as a gift? That's the other way. And what uh, Paul is saying is that is what the gospel is. It is receiving something as a gift. Because this is what was happened. It was what happened to Abraham. 
So the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's like a gift. You're given something that you have not earned. And it's remarkable when when we talk about Abraham, we often think of Abraham as this um, very holy man, but that's not the Bible's verdict of of him. Actually, he was an ungodly man. Later in Genesis, we, we hear about his life story, but much later on, when Israel have gone into the land, Abraham has described Uh, with sort of affection, but with honesty. He was the idolater. That's what they call him. He wasn't born in a Christian family. He would have done all sorts of things before God called him. Uh, Maybe, I I guess the nearest thing we would get in our culture would be um, like a Ouija board or those crystals that people do just to find out their their future or horoscopes. That was the sort of person Abraham was. Or, Or maybe you might think of it again as another religion. Maybe he was a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim, it's that sort of thing. He wasn't from a Christian home. He was, uh, he, he, he was, he was from a father. God called him out of nothing. God called him out of nothing. And then as we see his life, he does some wonderful things. But he, he does some remarkable failures as well. So he doesn't trust God frequently. He has faith. He, he trusts him, but he sort of trusts him. His faith often wavers. He never doubts that God's goodness but he often he can't bring himself to trust God, and that leads him into sin. But in the middle of the Abrahamic story, we get this verdict. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. God justifies him. We see in his story, he, he sleeps with his maid. I mean, that's, that's not a small slipper. He sleeps with his maid. He, he doesn't look after his wife on separate instances. He often says, oh yeah, she's not actually my wife, so yeah, don't worry about it, you can go off with her. Appalling. I mean, if someone did that in the church, you know, we'd want a serious pastoral visit with you. Abraham messed up so many times. But Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And here's the truth, God justifies the ungodly by a gift of faith. That is the heartbeat of the gospel, that is the good news that God justifies the ungodly. And how we forget it, don't we? We constantly forget the good news. And I think often is we feel low, not because of our sin, we're mindful of our sin, but we don't feel low because of our sin. I mean, we should mourn our sin. We should mourn our sin because sin isn't good. But I think very often we mourn, we, we feel low not because we mourn our sin, but we feel low because we've forgotten the good news. I often find this very hard to believe. Something I found helpful was thinking of this idea of a gift. I think it was about 12, 13 years ago, I just started to minister at a church. And I think because I was a minister, I suddenly put these extra burdens on myself. Now you're a minister, there's actually a higher standard of justification for you. It was complete nonsense, but I was really wrestling through that. And I just imagined every morning I woke up and there was just this imaginary, huge, huge box uh, wrapped up in wrapping paper and a bow. And I imagine every morning I'm given the gift. And the gift was from God. And inside it was my righteousness. And that is the gift that he gives us every single day. He gives us eternally. He justifies us through Christ who died for us on the cross. And it is so important for us to believe it. It's so important for us to tell each other of that, to remind ourselves of that. Because we forget the good news, don't we? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, all of you, you are ungodly. I know you're ungodly. You know you're ungodly. You know I'm ungodly. 
But it doesn't disqualify us from being justified by being accepted, by being exalted, by being friends with God. Our sin does not disqualify us at all. In fact, understanding our sin is the only qualification because it's only once we realise we're sinners that we can come to God for mercy. And he not only gives us mercy, he exalts us, he justifies us through Jesus' death on the cross. And when we realise that's true, we can't boast in ourselves. We can only boast in Christ. And it gives us reason to boast. It gives us great happiness. So no boasting because God justifies by faith and no boasting because God justifies the ungodly. I should just say that I think very often, I think it's quite common in the Christian life to think this way. We become a Christian because we know that God forgives sins. And then we've been a Christian for, for a bit of a while. And we think, well, I really should have pulled up my socks a bit now. I really should have butt my ideas up because I keep sinning. Well, Abraham is told that he is righteous sort of halfway through his Christian life, as it were. He continues to fail, but God's righteousness never changes. It is normal in the Christian life uh, to struggle with sin. It does not affect your justification. It does not affect your standing with God. Let me move on to the Final uh, point I think the scriptures make. So no boasting because God justifies by faith. No boasting because God justifies uh, the ungodly. And finally, no boasting because God justifies besides your works. So not only does God justify uh, you by faith, it's not only that your faith rules you in, it's that your works, your bad things you do, can't rule you out. And we get case study two here. We've looked at Abraham and now... Let's look at David. So look at verse 6. He's been talking about Abraham now, verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Again, David, one of the biggest heroes of the Old Testament. But David also justified by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know? Well, we know it from the songs that he sung, through the prayers that he wrote. We've, all, we've already used it as our confession today, uh, Psalm 32, and that's what's being picked up uh, by the Apostle Paul here in verse 7 and 8. He's quoting what David says. Remember David, who uh, the adulterer. David, the man who organised someone's death. Really big sins. But David also, again, if you read uh, the Old Testament, a great example of a believer, but a man who often made uh, really bad wisdom calls. A man who he, he wasn't a great parent. But David knew that those things didn't rule him out of the grace of God. And look what he writes in verse 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. David highlights again and again what he's like. Three times he highlights his failings. Look at the words. He talks about him being lawless or his lawless deeds. He talks about his sins. which was supposed to sins twice. He says, I'm lawless. I sin, I sin. But then three times he counts on what God does to sinners. He says, God is the one who forgives sins. God is the one who covers sins. God is the one who does not count sins. He does not keep a record of wrongs. So it's not just that God counts faith as righteousness. 
He doesn't count our sins against us. That's what Psalm 32 tells us. That's why the, why, why the Apostle Paul's quoting it. Chapter 5 in Romans, he's going to go on and tell us about all the blessings that there are being justified. Why it's such good news to be justified. But in chapter 4, he just really wants us to get this. He can spend a whole chapter trying to just really get it from here in our head to here in our hearts. Because he wants us to know that even uh, the bad things that we do cannot count against our justification. It was good news for David, it was good news for Abraham, and it's great news for us. Children, I wonder if you've been uh, selfish this week. Are you mindful of your selfishness? Are you mindful of your snatching? Are you mindful of how unkind you've been to your siblings, to people at school, to your parents? Maybe you've shouted. Adults, I could basically say exactly the same thing to you. You've just done it in more subtle ways. Or maybe you've lapsed into old habits. How's your anger been this week? How's your greed been? Great news. You're justified besides your works. It's great news, isn't it? Jesus died on the cross so that your works could be nailed to the cross. Well, let's draw it to a close. Why is there no boasting in the Christian life? That's what Paul, the first implication Paul draws out in chapter 3, verse 27, 28. And then he goes into a bit more detail here in chapter 4, looking at Abraham. Why is there no boasting for anyone in the Christian life? Because Jesus died for the ungodly. He died for Abraham's sins. He died for David's sins. He died for my sins. And he died for your sins. And now he counts me and he counts you. As righteous, he exalts us, he accepts us on the basis of our faith. He didn't die for good people. Jesus would not have needed to die for good people. If we were good, if we needed to be good, if that was a factor on salvation, then why did Jesus need to die on the cross? When we're mindful of our sin, don't look within. Look at Christ on the cross and remember that God justifies the ungodly. And this should be a great comfort for believers. A great comfort for believers. That's why we became Christians, wasn't it? That's why we sing wonderful songs, because we know that God is for us, despite ourselves. When we slip up, when we mess up, we think God can't still count me as righteous. Surely I need to atone for my own sins. Surely I'm going to have to ABC. Surely I'm going to have to pray more. Surely I can't, I can't go to him whilst I'm still fuming from that anger. Yes, you can. Because you're righteous. There's no distance between you and God. Remember what Abraham did. Remember what David did. He did some appalling things. But he knew that his sins were forgiven. And I hope this is an encouragement to people who are considering the Christian faith. Maybe you're not yet a Christian, or you're thinking about becoming a Christian. It's wonderful news here. Considering becoming a Christian is considering embracing the best news that there is in the world. It's not about considering a new lifestyle or a new culture. Of course, those things come into it, but what you are embracing is a free gift, a wonderful gift, approval by God that cannot be lost. It's great news. And I think what's remarkable about Abraham and David is they didn't understand in their ear of salvation uh, the fullness of how their sins could be forgiven, of how God could justify the ungodly, how we could justify through faith, because Jesus had not yet come. 
Now, they did certainly understand an awful lot. They were both uh, prophets. But the simple point is this. You do not need to be able to fully understand God to be able to receive God's mercy. You just need to be able to trust him. You need to look to him, make a choice, say, God, I don't know where else to go. Please have mercy on me. That's all you need to do. And he says to you, look at the cross. Look at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, your sins are wrong. Yes, I am angry at sin. But look at the cross. My, my anger has been turned aside. My anger has been fully turned aside. I now exalt you. I embrace you as my child. I embrace anyone who comes to me for everything they have done in the past and for everything they will do in the future. So how should we respond? Ask God to have mercy in us. Ask God, the God who justifies the ungodly, to have mercy in you, because that is what he is in the business of doing. And all of us, whether we're new to the Christian faith or long experienced in it, need to remember God, the God who we worship, is the God who justifies the ungodly. And if you're struggling to believe that, let's go back to last week, stop looking inwards. Look at Christ's death on the cross. Just look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Remember that God justifies the ungodly because Christ died for sins. Well, let's respond in prayer. Let's ask God to really help us, not just understand it, but to believe it in our hearts. Father in heaven, what a wonderful thing the gospel is. Father, how wonderful you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins. We praise you and we thank you. Father, help us to remember that you justify the ungodly. Give us the confidence that we never lose our justification, that we never lose our approval. Father, you know how quickly we are to stop feeling that we're right with you. Father, forgive us for basing our approval, the confidence of our approval on how we feel towards you. Would we look to the cross? Please bless us with that, we pray. And we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for taking our sins away. Thank you for dealing with our sins once for all that we no longer have to. In Jesus' name, amen.